0: Open your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter five. Starting in verse one, there, the word tells us, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Let's pray. Father, for me to preach through this, Father, you must do this. Lord, you must open the, the minds and the hearts of your sheep, your people. And, Father, I trust that you would give me the boldness to preach this because in me is no ability to do this except what, except you. And, Father, I pray that your word will come alive off this page and speak to us this day. And thank you, Father God, for the promise that is in it, for the believer and even for the unbeliever in Jesus name amen so in last half of chapter 4 paul dealt with concerns that the thessalonian believers who died prior to Christ's second coming would not be a part of the gathering together with him they were worried about that so you look at verse 17 of chapter 4 then we are who are alive we who are alive Remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus, the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen. And he even says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Is that a comfort to you? Talked about that last Sunday that we get to meet him in the air if we're here. If this happened right now, today. Uh, we'd be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We would meet him in the air along with all the, those who have fallen asleep in Christ who would come. What a reunion that's going to be. Exciting times. We'll be caught up. That word was harpazo in the Greek. It's, it's raptured in the Latin and it literally means if you remember to seize by force or to carry off by force to eagerly claim for oneself Jesus is coming back for what's his Are you his Oh my goodness I don't I would not want to be caught in a place where I did not know him and did not know I was his and even that he did not know me So this will be no quiet event because the Lord himself will come with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God to receive the bride, the church, what belongs to him, what he died for. and He's going to receive her unto himself, and we will forever be with him. Praise God for that. And bringing with him all, as I said, all the saints who are asleep, in Christ, think of all those saints who are asleep in Jesus who will be coming with Him. Some we grew up with, some we know, some were our spouses, some were our relatives, some are the, the, the patriarchs we, we read about in Scripture. Oh, just think of the mass of people that are just as excited to see you as you them. So just think about that for a minute. We're going to meet them in the air together. We will always be with the Lord. And Paul said that in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, okay, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. As I said last week, those who are not just fallen asleep, not just those who have died, but those who have fallen asleep in. The key word there is in Jesus. Because they had faith in Jesus. Now, he went on to say in verses 16 and 17, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Now, here... Paul turns his focus to the coming of the day of the Lord. This is not the day of Christ. Now he refers to this as the day of the Lord, which the heathen, the unbelieving, the the rejecter of the gospel will not escape this day. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you're in this congregation today, you should be most terrified because the wrath of God sits upon you. And the wrath of God is coming for you. And you will be in trouble. Are in trouble. So it's my hope that each of you are really true believers in Jesus Christ. That you know that and understand him, as it says in Jeremiah. You want to boast in anything? Boast in those two things. That you know him and that you understand him. That there's a relationship there. But more importantly, that he knows you. Don't think you know him. It does no good for you to think you know him if he doesn't know you. That if he came in the air today to receive his bride, his church, you would be returning to heaven with him and all the saints. But concerning the times and the seasons, it says here, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, one of the prominent themes in the, in the Old Testament was the day of the Lord. Whenever you see the day of the Lord, it's usually referring to judgment of God. Let me show you Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 13, verses 6 and 9. Let me just show you a few of these verses. There's many, many more. And it would take a long time to just even preach on the the day of the Lord. But Isaiah 13, verse 6. Wail, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. So just think about that. The day of the Lord here in, in, in this text deals with destruction. When God destroys, he destroys. He doesn't play games. He's not trying to trick us. Let's go to the book of of Amos. Amos chapter 5, verse 18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. Okay, what do we see about the day of the Lord? It's a dark time. It's not a good time. It's not light. You know, it is a Going to be a very, very difficult time. Verse 20. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? I don't necessarily think that's in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. It's not a good time for mankind. Obadiah chapter 1, verse 15. The day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. What does that say about the day of the Lord? Now, again, God dealt with different things of destruction and and judgments of nations, but whenever God talks about the day of the Lord, to him it's always near. I don't think it's a 100 years, 1,000 years from now. It may be. But you should think that the Lord in his promise of his return is going to happen soon. Zephaniah. Okay, everybody knows where Zephaniah is at. Zephaniah, we're going to go to chapter 1, verse 7. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited his guests. Now, that's interesting, you know, you think about that. Uh, just think about when God... Uh, finally judges, let's say, the the battle of Armageddon. Who's his guest? All the ravens and birds that are going to eat the blood and clean up the carcasses. You know, think about that. The devastation that's going to go with the day of the Lord, okay? Look at verses 14 to 18 there. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. The day is the day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men." Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. That's terrifying. Malachi Go to Malachi chapter four, verse five. Of course, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's a dreadful time. It's a time you don't wish upon anybody, but it is a dreadful time. Peter refers to the day of the Lord when the physical universe will pass away in intense heat And the true children of God, as it says, will receive uh, a new heavens and a new earth. So go there with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. And you'll see this in verses 10 through 13. I mean, so I'm 2 Peter, thank you. Chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. See, there is global warming coming. (laughs) All right? it's just not done by carbon dioxide. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of, of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Wow. So the day of the Lord, man had his time. This is now God's time. If you think about it, it's obvious that the day of the Lord, it's it's a final judgment, and it has not yet come, but it is not a, a single day but a season when God advances his judgment on all uh, unrighteousness. It's not like one day he's coming. This is, we're looking at a, a season of this being poured out. To, and he's doing it to deliver. Of course, it starts with where we were last week, to deliver his people. And eventually, this is going to establish his kingdom at the end of this. But let it be known that for those who have never obeyed the gospel... Of Christ, There will be much pain. There's going to be much weeping. There will be much sorrow in this time. This isn't a time where everybody's going to be excited about God and his judgment. This is going to be a miserable time for mankind. Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Romans 2 verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent or unrepentant heart, You are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. This is what happens. You're rejecting Jesus Christ. You practice unrighteousness. You're storing for yourself wrath. he's gonna come back and pour out that wrath upon the ungodly. Romans chapter two, look at verses eight and nine. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also for the Greek. He doesn't play favoritism. If you reject Christ, if you reject the gospel, then tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man who does evil. Go to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And starting in verse 7, let me back up here, verse 6. Let's go back to verse 6 here. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In Now look how he's revealed. And by the way, this is what he's coming back with his angels. This isn't the where we were last week where he's meeting us in the air with the ones who are asleep. So we're looking at his triumphant return on the horse here, the white horse in Revelation 19. It says, and, and again, I want you to see this, verse 7, and to give you who are troubled rest when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God. Now, I want to just ask yourself right now, do I have a relationship with the living God? Do I know him? Not how do I know about him? Not did I hear about him? Not did I repeat something told, somebody told me to say years ago. Do I know him? Is there a working relationship with much fellowship with this God of scripture Do I know him do I know do I know his voice do I know what his attributes do I know what he acts like do I enough to where I am even copying him imitating him? Do I know my God because if you don't know your God this is coming for you. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, obeying the gospel is you must believe it. But it's not to believe part of it, you must believe all of it. You have to have all your faith resting on the accomplished work of Christ. Not Jesus died for me, oh and now I have to help him. Or Jesus died for me, now I have to help him. So I stay saved because I could possibly lose that. No, I'm resting totally on, the idea of rest is I don't do any more work. Okay, so I'm resting in Christ Jesus. What he did was sufficient to pay for all of my sin and remove me from under the wrath of God. And I am no longer in that kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of light of the Beloved. Are you there? And you can honestly say, I am there. I believe the gospel, and I know him. Because these who aren't there, who don't know him, who don't believe the gospel, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Now, I've always been amazed at that. When we destroy something that usually comes to an end, there's an end to destruction. But there is not that with God. God has the ability to destroy forever and let it not be destroyed So these shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Why do I know that's going to last a long time? Because the word everlasting. Destruction doesn't stop. Well, look at this. It would be, you would think that it would be great to be, okay, I'm going to go. It's like maybe getting discipline from a parent or something. It's just going to hurt for a little bit but everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You imagine being separated from that, okay? Separated from his glory and from his power, from his presence. As wicked as the world is right now, folks, the presence of God is here. It's here. And even the wicked are surrounded by the presence of God. But if he is totally removed from you, how do you even define darkness like that? With no chance to ever come back again. There is no purgatory, folks. You can't buy your way out of the grave. Nobody can be baptized for you. I'm talking about religions that practice this today. Somebody isn't a surrogate so they get baptized for you to bring you out of the pits of hell when you die you've sealed your fate and so a terrifying thing let's not have a desire you know to, to cling to this fleeting life that uh, in this fleeting world that we live in we shouldn't this shouldn't even be an attraction for us all that's out here look, look at James chapter 4 go over here to James James 4:14. 4, Look, I guess that what I'm trying to say is I want you to think about how, how short life is. We're, we're so consumed with this world, but our life is short. And 14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. We're not long on this earth, folks. We're here. We, we, there has to be a, a decision made of who I will follow. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24, just across the, a few pages there. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and it, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Our life here is isn't it's just like grass. It's not that long, and then we live our life, and then it's the judgment. Think about that. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 17. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. What's the will of God? That you know him. That you believe the gospel. You want to abide forever? That only works through Christ. You must be found in him. So the day of the Lord, that judgment day, is a certainty. If I back up here and go to the book of Hebrews... In chapter 9, verse 27, and this I, I kind of alluded to this verse just a little bit ago. It says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, what? The judgment. Now, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins from of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. So when he comes for me, it's not for sin. It's not for uh, any kind of judgment. That's my... B- Because I believed in Jesus Christ, that's already been taken care of. But those who have died and are found without Christ, that's going to be a terrifying time for them. And really, the day of the Lord will see its finality, you know, the great white throne judgment when it's all, or even if we go back there, uh, Revelation 20. You know, I guess after that there's a new Jerusalem we see, but you look at the judgment of people, for those who are without Christ, you go to Revelation 20 and verses, uh, around verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. Now that's not a God you want to stand before. If heaven and earth flee from his face and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Everything we've ever done, thought, is recorded in these books. Now think about that for a minute. The sea gives up the dead who are in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works then death and hades were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire praise god if you're a believer because that that has already been handled for you god's seen your works and he has forgiven them praise god There's no judgment, great white throne judgment for the believer. I hope you understand that. Now, if today's that day, you need to come to him, I I pray that you do. But there's no more second chances, you know, no more invitations to respond to once you die. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Go back here to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's that rest he wants to give you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't know Christ, there's an invitation for you to come and unload that burden of sin at the cross of Calvary and let him forgive you and let him teach you. And what else do I say there? Go back to Revelation chapter five. Excuse me, 1 Thessalonians five. Verses one through three here again. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Now, Paul, if you look at the text here, Paul believes that the Thessalonian believers, they've received uh, sufficient instruction regarding the day of the Lord that they have no need that he writes anymore uh, towards that instruction. Now, that's amazing since he spent a little amount of time with them. Just think of what they learned in that little amount of time, and of course, as they've been growing, Paul says, I don't need to write you anymore about this. You know enough about this, but it, the day of the Lord will come, as he says, as a thief in the night, as a thief. Now, thieves don't signal that they're coming. They they, they strike when least expected. They prefer night, the, when darkness will cloak their comings and goings and Unwitting victims will be asleep. Now, that's not to say that Christ is a a thief. It's not what he's saying here. But he will come as a thief does, where nobody knows he's there. The day of the Lord will be like that. It will come at an unexpected time. And once the Lord has come, people's fates are finalized. People look at this and go, oh, that can't ever happen. That's that's so far away. That, that, that's thousands and thousands of years away. We don't know the day, but I'll tell you, you better be aware you're in the season. And so for the faithful, really, th- this whole thing is, a, is a, a day of vindication for the faithful. But for the unfaithful, it's a day of judgment. I think of verses like Matthew chapter Seven. Go to Matthew 7. Look at verse 21. Now you've heard me from the pulpit say, if there's any verse in the Bible that's the most fearful, I, I think it's this one. Because I think so many people play religion. So many people don't, they don't really know the God that they say they know. See, it says here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now notice people are calling him Lord, but they're refusing to obey him. How does that work? Okay, He is Lord because he is superior, sovereign over us. So no matter what, I don't make him Lord. He is Lord of my life. You can't make Jesus anything. Don't, don't that, that is a, 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 a fallacy that's been taught from pulpits. You know, they had a, a, a big fight over that in the 70s, you know, where some people are saying, you can be saved, but he doesn't have to be Lord. Wrong. He is Lord, and he's always Lord, and you will submit to him as Lord. And so, but not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, what's the will of the Father in heaven? concerning the son, it would be to put your faith in the son, to believe on the son, to believe the gospel. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, keep in mind they're still calling him Lord, but in their life he's not really their Lord. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? you got to wonder what they were really doing in the name of Christ. And so, but they thought they were. They, they were busy in religion. They're busy, active. Didn't we do all these things in your name? What does he say? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now, that's a terrifying thing for Jesus to say, I don't know you. But here in the Greek is, I've never had relationships with you. I've never had a relationship with you. There's no intimacy with me and you. Don't, you say you know me, I don't even know you. You're not even part of the bride. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is what your life is really like. You're practicing sin. You keep sinning, sinning, sinning. You never come to me to be washed of that sin and me to forgive you of that sin. There is no regret of sin in your life. You totally enjoy it. You're a lot like the fruits of the flesh found in Galatians 5. And there's no desire, really, in this to really know me. And so go to Matthew 11, verses 20 to 24. He began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades for if the mighty works which were done in you Had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Go to Jude. This isn't in your bulletin. This isn't on the screen. I'm going to add it right now. Okay, so Jude. And look at verses 14 to 15 here. Now Enoch the seventh for Adam prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, behold the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And He's coming. He is coming. Enoch prophesied about that then, but he is coming. That day of the Lord is going to happen, and notice what the people of that day will be professing in with their lips. Back here in our text in 1 Thessalonians 5, they're going to be saying peace and safety. And that all is well when not when not all is well. Now that's an illusion. It's interesting that this is where we are in our men's study on Friday. In Jeremiah chapter 6, because that's what Paul's alluding to here is, is, is even what God would say back here, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. Nothing's new. They were saying this back then. Oh, I can read, let me start in 13, because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. That's what's going to happen even in the end times. You're going to have people stand up, peace and safety. It's good with God. God is happy. He loves your lifestyle. You're okay with him. You don't know all these, all these preachers that tell you to repent and turn to him. Come on. He loves everybody. Nobody's going to hell. There's no judgment they're going to be saying, peace and safety, we're, we're all good. We're just generally good people. And God, God is not going to judge us for being good people. And the people who are saying peace and safety are expressing their pleasure at living safe and comfortable lives without him. Matthew chapter 24, you go back here to Matthew 24, and oh my Verses 37, just to 39 right there. As the days of Noah were, so also be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And he did not know until the flood came. And it took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Terrifying time. Sun destruction is going to come upon them when they're saying peace and safety and like birth pains on a pregnant woman. They're going to be surprised. Oh, today's the day. Right? Today's the day. that's. Oh, great. I'm not prepared for this. The point here is that the day of the Lord is going to come quickly. It's going to come unexpectedly. And it will bring destruction to the unfaithful, to the unbeliever. And they shall not escape that that Greek that's there. Let's go back here to the text. Sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Right there, uh, it's, that's the Greek word. There is ekfeugo, and the ek or the ek in that is a combination of that meaning ek is out, and fuego is, meaning flee. So. It's saying, the picture we get here in that word is people suddenly are alarmed, seeking a way out, trying to find a way to escape, and there isn't any. So even where they'll run into the mountains, fall on us. Fall on, you know, kill us. We'd rather be dead than to be judged by the living God. But the day of the Lord will be terrible for the unfaithful, for the unbelieving, But I want you to notice here that Paul emphasizes that these Thessalonian believers, the day of the Lord will not harm them. He goes back to this, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're not going to, that's not going to overtake you. You're the believer that we talked about in chapter 4. You're still, you're, you're all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, and let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So the day of the Lord is going to be terrible for the unbeliever. But he says something here. Light and darkness are used here in Scripture. It really is metaphors like good and evil, you know, or order and chaos, or security and danger, or joy and sorrow, or truth and untruth, life and death, salvation and condemnation. But Paul's point here is that the Thessalonian believers have nothing to fear because they, they aren't living in darkness. We're, that's not our realm anymore. We we were once part of the kingdom of darkness, but now we're children of light, right? Ephesians chapter two tells us that we're children of the light, and so we're not even engaged in dark dark activities. So that's not us. We're committed to loving the Lord. We're children of the light and children of the day. So we don't belong to the night or the darkness. The 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 night meaning the word uh, emi or e-i-m-i is the Greek in that. And it means it has to do with being uh, who we are. We are uh, the light and we cannot be darkness. So we're children of the light, emi of the light, not of darkness. It's impossible for you to share both those realms. Okay? You can't be a child of light and a child of darkness at the same time. And that's a powerful image because light can't coexist with darkness. You know, Jesus, what did he say to us? And we go back to Matthew chapter 5 or John chapter 12. He talks about us as being light to shine before men. What does he say in Matthew five sixteen? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He also says in John 12, verse 35 to 36, then Jesus said to them, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Are you a child of the light? That's important in the text. Because these things are awaiting the child that is in darkness still. Not those who are in the light. What are we to do? Well, we're to live in a, If you look at verse 8 here. Let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And as the helmet, the hope of salvation. These are. This is a defensive move. In a culture that's running wicked. Inviting even. the the judgment of God to come, we're supposed to be on the defense. Let us not sleep. That means let us not have spiritual apathy here. Let us watch. That means to stay awake. Let us be sober. That's the kind of behavior that we associate with sobriety. But it really means be self-controlled, sound judgment, have good discretion, be dependable, those kind of things but put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation the breastplates and helmets are defensive gear what's the breastplate guard me guards my heart what's the helmet guards my mind but they're designed to help soldiers survive blows that might otherwise prove faith fatal you're going to be in a warfare waiting for this to come but you're equipped Because God did not appoint you to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God today for his sovereign move to save you. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you obtained that salvation? Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Makes no matter. I belong to him and I am alive in him whether I sleep or I'm awake. Therefore, and here's the challenge for us, comfort one another and edify one another just as you are doing. That's our job. He's gonna come to judge, but how, how do I comfort you? Show you the hope that you have in Christ. How do I encourage you? How do I edify you? It all comes back to Jesus. Father God, you are a great God. And I want to thank you that as that day approaches, that we who are believers, that's not a day that concerns us in that we're not under judgment. We've already, our sins have already been judged at the cross of Calvary. And Jesus has already taken that wrath that was due us Lord, there are still many who don't know you as their Lord and Savior. There are still many who sit under the wrath of God. There's many who are still considered an enemy of God. They might be in this church, in this body. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, who does not have rest in the the completed work of Christ, rest in Jesus himself, I pray, Lord, today they cry out for you and you deliver them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Fathers, if there's anybody here that would fit into Matthew chapter 7 who plays at religion but doesn't really know you, matter of fact, that you don't know them, I pray that you would do a work in their life so both are true. They know you and you know them because they're, they belong to you. Lord, we're approaching a time, I believe, when you're going to return. I don't know the day or the hour. It seems like things are getting worse and worse by the day in this world. And it's it's crying out where even Revelation says, say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I find myself saying that, Father. I'm looking for your return. I even uh, go out and look up into the sky sometimes and say, Fathers, today the day, Lord, we have family that needs you. We have friends that need you. Lord, just let us be given to that ministry of reconciliation where we're pleading with people to come to you, Father. Thank you for this time in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen.